Hello and welcome back to Really Good Appears, where we chat about and discuss all sorts of movies. My name is Gary O'Brien, and joining me today, once again, it's John Hackett, as we talk about the 2004 romantic sci-fi, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So stick around, we hope you enjoy what is that that's not the theme song i don't remember i mean i'm assuming you're changing each one to the different theme song of a jim carrey like has he been in a musical before uh i don't think so but i feel like i should know this Um, he hadn't been in one he's in jim carrey musical I mean, I guess The Grinch is kind of a musical. That's true, he does some singing and song in that. Uh, Cuban Pete from The Mask. Oh yeah, I suppose um, The Mask, but that's not really a musical. He sings in it, if, no, if it's that's more the criteria. A, yeah. How much singing do you have to do to start a musical? That's a great point. I suppose choreography has to be How an much aspect singing of the... Uh, on a podcast until it's called a song. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're <laughs> welcome to John Carey finding out the answer. <laughs> yep. It's the chronological album. We're just going to be singing his movie net titles as they go, chronologically. I'll start. Mike Hammer, Murder Takes All. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just to give some context. So, uh, John, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Uh, as people who might be listening to the last couple of ones, uh, I have once again forced my friends to come on and do uh, movies of an actor I love. So last year it was Pierce Brosnan for the Brosnan O'Brien Birthday Bros Bonanza. Uh, and this year uh, I decided to pick Jim Carrey and I didn't want to do it unless I thought of a fun name. So what I decided to come up with was a very long and complicated name, but also uh, was the only way that these people came on and did it because they heard the name like John and was just like, okay, yeah, no, <laughs> you've thought it through. I'll come on and do it. <laughs> you put enough effort in I suppose I have yes, to exactly. and I suppose I have to has been a lot of these podcast inspirations for me yeah. I suppose I've got to do Catwoman eventually oh, I suppose I've got to do Daredevil we'll come back and do Catwoman so imagine if this was it imagine, imagine like <laughs> next year I'm like John I'm only doing movies with cat women in it and all the other all the good ones are taken <laughs> we need an overlap of any movie that Halle Berry and a cat have been in and then we need um any movie that Anne Hathaway and the cat have been in. Um, and then we need Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton. And that's all of them, as far as I know. I don't know if there's any more cat women. Uh, but the there's new certainly. One. The Batman. The what one? The new one. That's that's not uh, that's not Batman. That's Spooky Boy, Robert Pattinson. I do love the, the fear around, in your eyes boy. where you were like, fuck Gary's right, but I won't give him this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, um, moving on. But, uh, yeah, that, moving on. But I, I should say the name of the, the series of podcasts, which is the Unnecessary and Involuntary Legendary Visionary Jim Carrey Library Commentary done by Gary and a very wary honorary adversary for my customary anniversary, i.e. my birthday. Um, so I reached out to John <laughs> and he gave three suggestions. Uh, this movie we're talking about today, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, the other one being Mr. Popper's Penguins. And the third one being a thing I had never heard of. So what was that one again? Uh, Mike Hammer, Murder Takes All. Uh, it's one of his early ones. I think it's from the 70s or 80s, maybe slightly before then. How old is Jim Carrey? Is he is 70s and 80s not that old. for Jim Carrey? No? Is he not like 60? Jim he Carrey is, but I didn't think he was... age. Well, let's... All right, this is now a My Camera Murder Takes All podcast um, about <laughs> just what that man did. Sta- Stacey Keach, who people listening will <laughs> know from... Uh, they know him from... Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where he's the grizzled uh, older police officer who comes back and keeps talking about uh, everyone being like a, a handbag or something. 
and uh, how he drinks everything. Right. All his drink is brown. He just gets absolutely pissed. Okay. Um, Linda Carter, who is Wonder Woman. So this is the Mike uh, Hammer. So yes, yeah, this is Mike Hammer. This is, uh, and this it was is in, Mike Hammer. Murder, murder <laughs> it wasn't in the sixties. Uh, it was in the late eighties. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Jim Carrey, not that old. Um, okay. I guess yeah, the sixties. He would have been about five or six. Uh, he was a, he's a young talent. I'm telling you, you can tell. <laughs> um, but thankfully. For both me and uh, and anyone listening to this, uh, you didn't pick that movie. Or sorry, let me rephrase. I didn't allow you <laughs> to pick that movie. <laughs> and we decided to talk about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Why? Why this one? Because I was I was slightly surprised in the sense. I love this movie, by the way. Uh, I'm nothing against you picking this, but as a as a weird wacky boy that you are, I was expecting something something along the lines of Mr. Popper's Penguins. But you you managed to pick one mm. of the one of the more sad or depressing Jim Carrey movies, which I have nothing yeah. against, but just. Why? It's Why? probably You're his right, saddest John. and most depressing uh, Jim Carrey movie. Jim Carrey's most depressing Jim Carrey movie. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just really love the movie. I think it's uh, one of the most interesting ones that he did ever, apart mm-hmm. from Mr. Popper's Penguins and Murder yeah. uh, Murder Takes All. But uh, overall, I just think it's a great, great movie. And I think that uh, watching everywhere, everything everywhere, all of the time, right in your face, hitting you in the mouth, uh, that movie... Um, <laughs> That is Special offer, kind only of available similar weekends. in a sense. Yeah, <laughs> discount mm-hmm. code, uh, like and <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a it's a lovely movie, and I do like to always now and then just have one good movie to talk about because um, <laughs> you know Daredevil and and Ghost Rider are so fucking bad. I'm dying another day. Have, yeah, I'll die another day. That was the good movie I was talking about. Ah, yes, yes. Oh, I love those. Both diamonds. movies, but both movies heavily feature ice as well. So you're clearly on theme. I love. Yeah, theme, yeah, I love that you have the uh, the 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 heating up of Ghost Rider or Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen and the cooling down of Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind mm. and uh, mm. Dine of the Day. Mm. Clearly, this was something you thought of and not just me yeah, on the no, spot yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. 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 yeah, and if you could just hold the notes there higher, what I just can't see what I meant to say now. Um. No, yeah, I just really love the movie. I think it's uh, really impressively made. Like, the special yeah. effects are really well done in terms of, like, the style of them rather than the kind of the actual substance. Because, like, every now and then it hates, like, a, a Beetlejuice style of special effects where something yes. just looks a little wrong. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it's got that kind of, they sped it up and they just did a bit of stop motion or whatever. Yeah. Um, particularly the house at the very end. But oh, I think that there are... There are moments in it where people are disappearing, and it's just incredible. Yeah, and especially for just... 2004, where yeah. like this movie, like looking back, like you can Daredevil tell this movie came out only a year before that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for a movie that came out in 2004, it like hold, it, it does it is it does feel very much of the time, but like it it doesn't mm-hmm. really age that much. Both I guess in terms of the special effects, but also the story, uh, because yes. like I guess for anyone that doesn't know, the story is basically about what if it's basically a Black Mirror episode of what yeah. if you could erase someone from your memory. So there's this doctor who's basically. Um, carrying out a procedure that people can after a bad breakup and they can you know remove someone from their memory so they don't have to like remember um the like missing a person or whatever and in this movie jim carrey um undergoes that procedure to forget his um girlfriend or ex-girlfriend played by kate winslet and it's very hard to explain the story further than that because Mm. there is just many a twist and turn (laughs) so i guess what i might say to people is go watch it I believe it's on Netflix. That's what I watched it on. Um, but we will be probably talking yes, majority is, yeah. of spoilers, but we'll try. Stay away from it.
yeah i mean i kind of think you could talk through the movie but like you know there's kind of no point because it's just like a, a loose collection of i suppose almost like short stories about their relationship mm-hmm. um, yeah that you piece together and turn into a larger one and i think that like the movie does a really good thing anyway by the erasing starts from the end and works their way back mm-hmm. so as the movie kind of progresses you get to see kind of the start of their relationship and um how they met and what it meant and i think that that is one of the most interesting parts of the movie where you start to realize that the movie has been lying to you um yeah for kind of a brief introduction about this uh jim carrey he starts off the movie and he's basically like he is the most depressed man i think i've ever heard like the way he talks about valentine's day he describes it as a holiday that was invented by walmart to or hallmark to uh depress people not to like sell cards to make you happy it's just to depress people and he's desperate to fall in love and then he hops on a train he's just randomly decides to bunk off work hop on a train meets a woman called clementine who is kate winslet and uh (laughs) <laughs> that is the most uncomfortable scene I think I've seen in a long time for just how, like, he is so uncomfortable. Like, As in, like, the, when the, she's trying to, like, talk to him. And she's trying like, to talk no, to him. Not today. And, yeah. yeah. And she is literally, like, she's at the top end of the carriage and he kind of looks over and sees her. And you can just see the dread in his face every time that she, like, talks to him and then takes a step towards yeah. him sits down in front of him starts talking to him sits beside him three away and then sits right beside him and you can just see the framing of him he's so trapped and so uncomfortable <laughs> and it is yeah it's it, it's really well like it's really well done in how he's kind of like it, it, like he's beside someone who wants to connect with him but he yeah. just can't do it and he just wants to be on yeah. his own and it's an inc- it's a great start to the movie and what also I love about that scene, I read up on it afterwards, was... Um, so, first of all, I want to talk about the score as well, because that's a really interesting part of this um, this movie as well. And I don't know if you looked into this person as well, but I have a funny in, like point to add about it later on. But basically, the director, uh, Michael Gondry, um, wanted... I think the, the the guy who did the score wanted to fill the silences of them not talking with the music and Michael Gondry decided to do the opposite. He goes, no, have the music play when they're talking, like this upbeat music of like her really excited to talk to him and it's like light, lively music and then when he gives a short answer and there's the silence, then there's no music. So you just feel the awkwardness yeah. so much more yeah. and like... Yeah. And I don't think if anyone hasn't watched this and they're still listening, I cannot s- describe to you how long this scene goes on for. Like, surely, like for most it's of it, it's like surely it's Kate Winslet, take the hint, leave <laughs> him alone. <laughs> but it's a really like what's incredible about it is that it doesn't take you too long to start buying into their relationship. Yeah, like he is so in his own shell, but at the same time, she is able to just persist in talking to him and persist in kind of trying to drag something out of him. Yeah. And uh, I think I think we should start talking about the spoilers now. Um, and I really oh, recommend yeah, yeah. if anyone's listening who hasn't listened, who hasn't watched, go watch it and then come back and watch it five times well, on three well, different just, devices. Well, just two, two things. One, watch this movie. But if you guys haven't seen Mike Hammer's whatever the name <laughs> of that thing was, treat yourself. If you're looking, if you're looking at, if you ever watched Brooklyn Nine Nine and, and thought to yourself, that guy who likes to drink brown, what else has mm. he done? Mike Hammer, oh. 1989, Linda Carter, Jim Carrey, treat yourself. <laughs> Listen, we'll be back in five seconds because we're going to go off and watch it as well. 
What an incredible movie, am I right? I completely forgot to watch it, John, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I got I'll kill you. I'll kill um, you and I'll push you off a boat like the climactic scene in My Camera Murder Takes All. Um, fans John, of My Camera Murder Takes you know? All will be... You... Oh yeah, I've watched it. Why? <laughs> I've watched every scene that Jim Carrey was in because I wanted to gauge how good a movie it was and it's not good. But okay. Jim Carrey okay. is in it, and uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty fantastic in how mm. bad it is. It's, it's, but it's like again, the way, as I said uh, before, it's like the way in the it's like the way in the Deadpool where um, Jim Carrey is in it for the first four minutes, and of those four minutes, he's in it for maybe a minute and a half. But yeah, that was enough to clarify it as a that's a Jim Carrey movie for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a Jim Carrey movie right there. I mean, if yeah. how much it's like a how much of a song would turn a podcast into or how much singing turns a podcast into a song how much jim carrey turns well john there's only one way to find out <laughs> and one and two <laughs> i wonder if we can just... get jim carrey to do a cameo actually for no there's no like way the final episode of this maybe but i will say oh. i will say i will be deeply upset if jim carrey does cameos and nobody has ever thought to buy me one <laughs> and i know it's probably like two grand but still mm. But at the same time, it's kind of like a... It's a very good Christmas present. Because, like, every time you do one of these events, we can just get you a cameo for Pierce Brosnan, then for Jim Carrey, and then for, of course, those? Mike Hammer. Uh, yes, but, anyway, Stacey, coming back to... Sorry. I have no idea yes, how you're going to cut this all. Oh, John. <laughs> John, John, know the secrets of the seven herbs and spices? I don't cut it. Anyway, so... No way! Go, no way! Go... Yes, anyway... Go go watch go watch Eternal Sunshine the Spotless yes. Mind. Um. So yeah. So I guess where the story then eventually goes is that you we watch these two people effectively uh, become smitten with each other, and you like, oh, how's their relationship gonna go? And then the next chunk of the movie is basically Jim Carrey looking. Uh, it's like it appears to be a flash forward in time where Jim Carrey has then decided, you know what, I'm done with yeah. this whole um relationship i want to get my mind erased and during this mind erasing scene like john had said we work backwards through their relationship and um, as these yeah. doctors or whatever the fuck proceed to erase each scene but the, the what's interesting about it is jim carrey is like conscious so we're not just watching replaying like the um like the replays of his memory we're watching a replay of his memory yeah. but with jim carrey He's an active agent in each of these yeah scenes, being like... able to like react to this and it's like hey i remember this and but yes mm. the characters around him are still like somewhat still acting like they were yeah. in his memory it's a really good one as well because it starts off and it shows you like he walks to the office um he sees someone else going into that, uh, having the memory done to them. And it's one of the most depressing things, that office of like just loads of people sitting around and they've got their precious items of like their yeah. dog or I don't know, I can't remember who the other one was uh, grieving for, but just so depressing, like such a bleak idea to imagine a room like that. Um, but uh, he then goes and he talks to the, the main doctor and he sees kind of the equipment. And I don't know if you remember, Gary, but the equipment is actually like this chair <laughs> Okay. That has, um, okay. like, it's got, like, this kind of helmet. Imagine if you're at a hair salon, <laughs> but it doesn't totally curve down. It's more flat. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're going to have okay. to put it into the can I, can I take a picture of this, at least, and put it up on the Instagram or something, just for people yeah. to, like, be able to... Um, but, yeah, so he, he, he essentially goes in and he, uh, he has a great moment of seeing himself in the chair, getting his memories erased. And uh, one thing I really liked yes. about this movie is that yeah, it, yeah. it kind of talks about... It, like what's funny is that 
as you go back through his memories, you start to see the changes that he's gone through, and you see that he is actually slightly mm-hmm. different after the breakup than he was kind of previously. Yeah. And the the big one is kind of <laughs> he is they have they have basically have to map out his memories to get like a neural kind of uh, mapping Pathway of everything. Or, yeah. Yeah, to go from memory to memory and delete each one of them. Uh, and to do that, they have to show him individual items and then he thinks about it and he starts immediately talking about like what it meant to him. And they're like, oh no, actually, please don't talk. It's better if you just think about it. And then yeah. like 10 minutes later, there's a scene where his girlfriend Clementine is saying, you never share anything with me. Yeah. It's just great. Like It's a great little moment of where he's like, he's literally being punished for sharing and but he's still trying anyway and this is after and i think that i think the movie works for me i think it's like it's a depressing movie but i think it ends on a really uplifting note because he's grown and because the, the uh, both characters have grown absolutely yeah and I, I think i said something along the lines of of that in my in my letterbox review which i'm gonna plug now letterbox to <laughs> get on it and follow both me and john um i should have like i should try and think of a theme tune for plugging the letterbox uh but gary if you could put that in right now also if mike hammer has a theme song if you could put it in here gary that'd be oh, great oh hell yeah <laughs> but i sent that but, on to me um, i'd love to so, have that it's like a ringtone <laughs> but um yeah, so I'm Gary O'Brien, uh, spelled a really funny way. It's in the podcast description. Uh, and then there's also John, which is John underscore Gary, hack. but it's spelled J-O-H-N underscore it's hack. It's the worst sure. way possible to and spell And then mine is also that, opinions, but with an extra E. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very true. Uh, but yeah, follow John, because he's, he's, very, he's very funny on Letterboxd. But I think my review for this was, uh, let me have it here, which was tragically hopeful... P- Tragically hopeful, painfully romantic, unforgettably sad, heartbreakingly inspiring. In that, yes, it is a very, very sad movie, but it is actually somewhat mm-hmm. uplifting and in- inspiring. And it kind of, yeah. I guess, shows the the what I see as the moral of this movie, which is, or like the point of this movie, which is you need the bad times to be able to appreciate the good times. In that, mm. although they what Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet perceived to be a negative experience which was their relationship with each other it actually made them better people and therefore um you know something worth remembering as heartbreaking as it is um mm. so that's i guess I you know the well, point it, of this it's, movie it's got a a point of kind of it's trying to tell you that like i feel like they were almost being complacent by the end like they're obviously by the end of the relationship um there's a lot of insecurity like he he has totally fallen apart and he's so insecure he doesn't go out with her one night um, and he's worried that she fucked another person which kind of um it's a funny one because it kind of highlights like at the very end of the movie well not at the very end but um when they initially first met he only goes there because he goes without his significant other a woman called Mm -hmm. naomi that we'd never meet yeah and then the ending is the inverse of that, where he stays at home and his partner has gone out and he's worried that, you know, obviously this might have happened again, maybe not to the same kind of level of uh, yeah. emotional connection, but he's worried anyway. Um, And you get to see how they have to kind of, as they start their new relationship, spoiler, at the end, they get back together and they are trying to essentially make it work again. I think yeah. it's the the moral of the story is that you have to have a commitment to the other person and you have to be ready to work on your own insecurities and try and Mm -hmm. figure out what the things about yourself are that you like and can share properly. And then what are the things that you need to actually figure out? And, you know, you can't dump your insecurities on another person. Um, And it's just an incredibly like 
like the movie goes from being so bleak in the first half to so nice and hopeful in the second that like it's so depressing at the start and then as you (laughs) move forward you start to see all the nice memories you see like them going out to charles lake charles or something sure the second first time you know it's the first time chronologically but it's the second time because when the movie starts they meet and then they go out to this lake um for like their first kind of proper date and then it shows the erasing memories and that's actually what they did for their very first date which kind of shows you that the very start of the movie is actually the end it's not actually the start of the movie um and it's just it's so nice like they have such a lovely moment and a a genuine connection that as the movie then goes he kind of starts taking action and he stops like i suppose like existing within himself in a a funny way because he is in himself literally and he's trying to just kind of break this cycle that's happening this whole like the the erasing of his memories he's trying to like uh, as they call it in the movie to go off map and that there's a computer program that's just basically going through the map that they were able to um you know architect by showing him all the items yes chart out and um once he's like he's he's conscious during it he's able to think to himself right well if i start thinking of memories that aren't on the map they won't be able to find him and yes. um that's and how that's, he's able that's to... great as well because it, i it, love that show. i have a whole it has like, like a whole thing just about how i love that like yeah i'll, I'll just I'll, I'll go on a tangent slightly which is i charlie kaufman wrote this and for anyone who doesn't know any of his work he writes some of the most interesting scripts and I, I one of the only ones I, uh, one of the ones I saw most recently was a movie called Adaptation uh, which I actually butchered the name of uh, last week but it's it is one of the best mind fu- it's not a mind fuck of a movie it's just like it's like I didn't I've never seen other scripts have that kind of similar story in it since then and that mm. adaptation came out like in 2002 but this is the guy who did uh, being John Malkovich, where what if you could be John Malkovich for, yep. I don't know, 15 minutes or whatever it is. But then the John Malkovich is also in the door. Every, every day I ask myself. <laughs> um, but also he's done like, uh, he's, he's gone on to do other things as well. He did like most recently he did a movie called he I'm Thinking of Cynic Ending Doki. Things. Cynic Doki in New York. Oh yeah, New York. Is I haven't actually Doki seen that Cynic Doki or Synecdoche? Uh, have you seen the, I really want you to play this um, for the edit, but there's a, a badly pronounced um clip of synecdoche or however you're okay. meant to say it and it's just so funny um I think, you're doing it. I think you're doing it right now i think i am i think i am <laughs> i'm not sure how to say it um, myself sinekina dodi chody sai ninekina dodi chody sinekodi dodi chody but uh, no, yeah, but I just think what he, how he was able to write this, 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 not only this story, but how he was able to lay it out from uh, plot point to plot point. But also like, it's a movie that requires you to be able to look forwards while the movie is working backwards. And, yeah, yeah. but also being able to introduce different kind of curveballs and twists into something that you're only just getting mm-hmm. your head around, you're working backwards in time. Yeah. But then also Jim Carrey's character, Joel is then jumping outside of what we think is happening and then also this kind of external factors happen happening with these people with these scientists yeah and then there's also the factors are so good and then like i think one of my my favorite things in it is what happens is so kate winslet herself her her character undergoes this procedure and that's what spurs on jim carrey's joel to do the same where it's very much like oh well if you forget me i forget you um but one of the people one of the scientists i don't know what the fuck they are i'm gonna call them scientists but one of the scientists who does this actually falls in love 
with her and that's played by Elijah Wood yeah. and he then holds on to all of these memories that she brought in to help like um chart out her memory mind map or whatever the fuck you want to call it and tries to like manufacture love with her and it's just yes. like those extra storylines so in what is already such a convoluted story is just yeah. makes it such a thrilling watch because there's yeah. very little time we get with the quote-unquote real Clementine because the majority of the mm-hmm. movie is spent with Joel's perception Joel's of her in of her. his memories. Yeah. So we don't really get much time with the real her. So the fact that he was able to find that way of being able to include her in the in the, in the the plot as it moves forward, it's just a really well cracked And he won really an Oscar well for it as well. Um, so I think it was well-deserved. But yeah, he's a, he's a really, 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 really cool um, scriptwriter. And this is just a prime example of that. I think yeah the the layers in this movie are what make it as good it is as it is. I mean like we can talk about the special effects which really just have to be seen to be kind of appreciated but the layers of this movie are just so well done where you have essentially three or f- three different potentially four different kind of main characters and not main characters but four different overlapping overarching overlapping plots that are all happening, which is uh, Patrick, who is played by Elijah Wood, who has fallen in love with Clementine um, when she was doing her memory race, and he stole uh, all her memories of what Joel said to him, and he's using that to win her affection. Um, then you have Mary and the doctor, I can't remember his second name, Kerr Markowitz or something, um, but she has, you know, she's kind of infatuated with this doctor and then it's revealed at the end of the movie that she's actually had her mind erased because they had an affair and the doctor it's implied i think pressured her into uh, having the mind erase uh, essentially to keep his marriage going but they then kind of fall back into that same cycle where they again she has become infatuated with him and again she makes a move on him the wife is uh, decides to kind of check up on the husband because he's had to leave late at night and that doesn't make sense until you realize that it wasn't the one time you know this was clearly something that was happening many times before um and then you also have i I think this is a little bit tenuous but there's a throwaway line where mary asks her boyfriend in the movie uh, mark ruffalo she asks did you do my erasing because they're going out and she has to immediately think did you take my stuff to kind of win my heart? Like, is this yeah. kind of, are you just bullshitting me as well? It's yeah. incredible. Like it, there's so many different aspects that you can appreciate that yeah. work so very, very well. and kind of hit this theme of two people trying to connect to each other and the frailties yeah. and issues that you have in your own psyche to prevent you from connecting and prevent you from sharing properly with that person. Yeah, and I think what's so interesting about this movie as well is because, like, this is like this is I I said up up top where it's very like a Black Mirror episode in the fact the fact that I feel like a lot of Black Mirror episodes are like how fucked up is this? Imagine if you could do this to your mind. Whereas yeah. this movie presents that sci-fi theme or a sci-fi kind of like storyline, but is able to inject mm. it with so much emotion and heart. And like, yes, you can erase someone from your mind, but like, does that actually sever your connection with a person uh, like when yes. when you meet again and stuff? So I think that's what like this movie does so well. And that like, this could have been just a straight up sci-fi movie of people, you know, erasing memories and, you know, trying to like 
uncover a big secret or a thriller yeah. you know what I mean like you obviously look at something that came out very similar around the time which is Memento where you know it's very much a movie where you're trying to figure out the, 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 the direction of time and what happened when and stuff and, mm. and this movie kind of does that it's, but a, it's a Christopher it's... Nolan movie where you don't really know what's <laughs> happening and you just have to keep watching and be like oh for god's sake where's my notebook <laughs> sorry great director I love him yeah. great director Tennis what a movie what a movie I, from what I heard movie. I was a big fan <laughs> And from what you heard was not very much <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But... but yeah so I think so yeah so that's what I think in terms of like just like to be able to focus more on the romantic side of it ra- for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for something that could so easily you know fall into the sci-fi um, but also yeah. just on the effects as well which I, I do want to point on which was they're not the most up-to-date effects but because they're so distinct of like how would it look mm-hmm. like if your mind was getting erased I think these effects don't really have that weird oh, glossy I really hoped I really really hoped you were going to talk about what would it look like if you were actually the size of a baby because there's oh, a scene with Jim Carrey where they try and make him look like a baby and like it kind of works in the most like budget Lord of the Rings scale thing you've ever seen Yeah, where they're trying to make him like you can clearly see that like he's much further away from her yeah. or like it just doesn't work and it's just so funny but that's probably the only time where the effects are bad you know in most of the but, other yeah. things the effects are either good or great um, yeah. except for that for one 2004 scene, so as well funny. like that is like yeah, for for I, think I know it's the cookies were so big. How did they get the cookies so big? <laughs> um, uh, but I I think that like there's an aspect of the movie that I really enjoyed, which is uh the very end, um which is essentially when, that, when it was the, over. That was my favorite. When it was part. done, when it ended, yeah. But it, it kind of a uh, it has like it, it's a funny movie because it kind of has two. It's got a couple of like. It's got two starts and it's got two endings in the sense. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, you know, the start of the movie is the end and the end of the movie is the end. And then the start at the end, of, the start of the movie is the start. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's a scene which is kind of the start of their relationship, which is where they meet at the beach. And there's a, it's just incredible how they connect and they're kind of intrinsically drawn to each other. Yeah. But they essentially have this kind of like, they have a moment together where they stay and they, you know, go, go out late and, you know, they're at a bonfire. So it's the middle of the night. Um, but they essentially sneak away and go to this house, which is being kind of left because it's a, somebody's summer house, summer beach house. Um, and it's a really heartfelt moment where essentially Clementine is saying that they went, they broke in, she was trying to get him to come upstairs and he eventually ran away mm-hmm. um, because he just felt like he couldn't, he couldn't connect to her and he was scared and he had to run because yeah. he just didn't think he was meant to be there essentially. And it's fantastic because there's obviously the kind of, there's a moment where she's really heartfelt or she's really kind of pleading with him saying, oh, I wish you'd stayed, which is kind of himself saying that to himself. So it's hard to kind of like draw on that too much. But the very start of this movie has a similar thing where he is at her house. He goes up for a drink. He does leave, but then immediately calls her when he gets home, which I think is like a tiny moment of growth. Mm-hmm. where it's the same situation essentially where he's being overwhelmed and he's being kind of essentially bullied by this woman to <laughs> go where he doesn't necessarily think he should but right. it's a, a moment where he you can see his progression as like a bit more brave and a bit more suitable with her that yeah he yeah. does leave but he still is ready to keep connecting when he goes home at the very start of the movie this is because he just runs like a little bitch boy to <laughs> the bonfire in the movie <laughs> such a loser like 
<laughs> but I just, 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 just to go back to what you were saying there about like it, you know, it, it is himself as Clementine nearly telling him what he yeah. may or may not want to hear. But I think one of the interesting parts of this movie is that it's almost as if he understands Clementine more as he goes through his memories. But because you're looking through them reversed, it's like, well, here's what she was like in this situation. And then you go like one memory back and you're like, oh, I understand you so much more in this situation because I then mm. went on to see how you became like do you know what I mean like yeah, he, yeah. he understands yeah. it it's almost hilarious that at the end of the like at the end of the like memory erasing system that he forgets all that um, but we don't know if he actually does because like you say they do kind of like rekindle and they do um, you know um, what you call it end up looking like well like they do end up somewhat getting back, back together, together again yeah. uh, and like what happens um at the end is obviously uh, Kirsten Dunst who's the one who plays the woman who was with the doctor then proceeds to um, raid the office take all the files deliver them back to everyone who got their mind erased and says like look here's all your memories I don't think you deserve them back again except for the poor person whose dog died I think that was probably a bit insensitive <laughs> but um, then Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet get their envelopes they listen to them back and even though they hear all the horrible things they had to say about each other they're still willing to give it a go- another go because of their experience the day before on the beach of when they first when they met each other for the first time but the the second first time they met each other because yeah that's a a great scene of just having the like it's the most raw sharing you could do is Mm -hmm. describing your partner in a very very low moment and yeah i think it works incredibly well and incredibly awkwardly because for this scene jim carrey and uh why do I keep saying Jim Carrey? Joel. <laughs> Joel Joe. and Clementine. It's easier are, uh, for your brain. It is. My poor little small brain. <laughs> yeah. It's been brain damaged after all these memories got erased. Uh, don't you worry. That's a bit later on I want to come back to. <laughs> what memories <laughs> would you erase? But anyway. <laughs> go ahead. The, um, the, uh, yeah, so basically, as he's kind of, as they're rekindling almost their kind of a, a new connection and trying to like say, oh, will we give this a go? It's just him talking about her and it's just so awkward but i think it is kind of like weirdly enough i think it's a a moment that they have to have where he actually is open and honest rather than kind of being so withdrawn and isolated from her and i think for my last thing on the movie i think it works it's a really like obvious and it's a it's almost like a little bit corny but throughout the movie all of the memories getting erased have kind of faded to black and the end of this movie is they're back on the beach kind of you imagine where they first started and it's fading to white so it's got this like moment of they're making new memories yeah. they're gonna get by or even yeah. if they don't get by they'll give it a go <laughs> yeah. they'll see if it works which I, I think you know I think as a movie it works really well because it has yeah. essentially an idea of like breaking out of a cycle that you've fallen into yeah. and trying to form an actual human connection with someone rather than a sort of idealized connection that you have with another person because i think you know halfway through this movie i was kind of like this feeling very kind of manic pixie dream girl kind of thing where it's like the nerdy man trying to say you'll save me and i think it does a really good job of like halfway through it keeps trying to refocus on her the actual her rather than the idealized her and it's allowing her to kind of breathe yeah and this is is not that yeah, and this was exactly what this is a point I wanted to bring up because um, again I kind of felt that it was going that direction. I had seen this before, but it had been a while, and I, I had a feeling I, I I knew Kate Winslet's character had a, like 
I don't know, like a bit of agency in it, but I, I couldn't really remember mm. exactly. Um, but I recently watched a, a great movie called uh, 500 Days of Summer. I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's it's really, yeah, really yeah. good uh, just because of how much it, like, I guess sub- subverts what you expect those type of movies to be like. Um, so it's not 500 the- days in summer. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know. After after the first couple of you, you're like, surely there can't be 498 more. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but No fucking way. The sun just set. They're doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I looked into it and it's mentioned on the Wikipedia that apparently some... Uh, uh, people who commentated on the movie, like you know, some people who were like critics, c- c- critics who were on the movie were talking about how this movie kind of referenced the whole manic pixie uh, dream girl thing before the co- uh, phrase was actually coined. Um, whereas uh, she has a great line and it was, it was the line that was on the Wikipedia was the exact one where I was like, fuck, this is where actually, you know, she's mm. kind of breaking that down. What does she have? She goes, uh, too many guys think I have a concept or I'm complete with them or I'm just going to make them alive, but I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for her own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. And I just, that line low it was just so great to be like oh she's not the answer to Joel being more exciting she's her own fucking thing and he's his own fucking thing but like the two of them together might work or they might not but it's not like she is destined or um what you call it um uh, she's idealized in any way yeah or or like the movie is yeah yeah she's not obligated to 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 be with with Joel because of all his shit do you know what I mean yes yeah because I think you know it's kind of hard to to say all this stuff and then not get to the conclusion that Joel is a, a little sissy boy, do you know? Cause you know, it, it sounds like we're yeah. kind of mocking him, but the the point of the movie is that the character, uh, I almost said Elon Musk, uh, Elijah Wood. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I almost said Eli- Elon Musk. I just, for some reason it came into my mind. Uh, a man, a man who doesn't a know how image. to form emotional connections with persons, so decides to try and steal slash buy other people's memories to use. Why would I think of Elon zone? Musk at all? That doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, it, it's got a great like. Essentially, as Elijah Wood is trying to fake this, it just doesn't work. And you know, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. he gives her a present, and she goes, "Oh, what is it?" And he actually doesn't know what it is because it's something that yeah. Joel bought her. And he's like, "Oh." I don't know. And then she takes it out and goes, it's the first, I actually love it. And it's the first time that she's gotten a gift from a boyfriend that she actually liked. Yeah. And it kind of, it, it's small moments like that that kind of show you that Joel and Clementine actually do work quite well together. You know, even though she is this sort of more bombastic yeah. and, and vivacious character, he is still quite suited for her and he, they yeah. work together, you know? Yeah, and it's so funny that, like, you know, he has presented um, Clementine with probably the most ideal and best gift that could be given to her. But yet she's still just like, cool, thanks. <laughs> As in, like, mm. because that connection's not there, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I do want to actually just, speaking about, just about um, their relationship, we have to talk about the performances of Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet because they are incredible. And I think what makes them so mm. incredible is because they are both playing against type so much Jim Carrey the same year this movie came out uh, did a series of unfortunate events where he is just playing hmm. four different forms what? who's in that? is there a character in particular in that? that... <laughs> oh fuck off <laughs> right sorry if I spoil this week sorry three. go again week go again three. go I'll again. give it a go no week three I'll give it a go <laughs> my name is Stefano I'm an Italian man no I'm no closer to it I'm no closer to it <laughs> My name is Stefano. I'm an Italian man. Do you have a hall pass? I can't do it. Yeah, like, if you close your eyes and listen to that, it's like, 
I can hear someone, but it's so not yeah. Jim Carrey. It's hilarious. Oh, John, you're so right. You're so right. <laughs> I'm um, oh, But yeah, it, like the performance man. is really good um, because you kind of do believe that he yeah. is a genuine character. It's not just Jim Carrey doing a Jim Carrey. But see, this is the thing about this movie. Where so yeah, so Jim Carrey's playing this like subtle, nuanced, you know, character of Joel. And he seems, mm. like you said, so sad, like so depressed. And then I I, I found in the in, in the IMDB trivia section where all knowledge is true and an absolute <laughs> fact, where uh, it said that uh, when Jim Carrey first met Michael Godry, the director, about starring in the film, he was suffering from a depressive episode. Over lunch, Godry told Carrey, You are so beautiful right now, you are so broken. Please don't get well. Recounting the story over a decade later, Jim Carrey would go on to remark, that's how fucked up this business is. Um, so <laughs> it is quite upsetting that, that's you know, so knowing Jim up. Carrey was quite sad at the time and the director was like, no, no, you're perfect. Keep Use doing this. it. Use this. This is the same guy like the Green Hornet. Kicking. He's a fucked up bastard. <laughs> I honestly don't know which one was worse for mental health around the world. Um... <laughs> that statement to Jim Carrey or the green fucking hornet. But uh, yeah, no, I think that um, it kind of reminds me of a quote that David Fincher had for himself. It's kind of like these directors right. are a bit mad and, you know, yeah. I think there is like a, I have a certain amount of tolerance for people in the creative arts who are like, this is the only way I know how to make art and I can't mm-hmm. deviate from it because that's just me. Mm-hmm. But he has uh, yeah it's like the way you've always said Vin Diesel making the same Fast and Furious movie all about family and uh, uh, you're Mm. just like I just respect the art I respect the craft I go up to you Gary every now and then every now and then I go up to you and I go Gary I think that last Fast and Furious movie was the best one yet what do you think and then you go well in my opinion I do and then I go ooh (laughs) it's so good (laughs) (laughs) Okay. For anyone who hasn't heard the, the Vin Diesel talking it's to quality. his director about how oh, good his former the director, director who has left former director, director who has left the set. They we're getting so <laughs> off tangent. Uh, we're on such a tangent. But he makes a noise that I But Gary, we have to needs... tie into the car chase at the end of this movie somehow. Oh, Vin yeah. Diesel is the connection. Yeah. Uh, and he just makes such a such a brilliant noise. I'll try and put in the entire clip if I can. It has nothing to do with this movie. It's going to date horrendous. But if the next person I see doesn't who has listened to this podcast immediately doesn't go, Ooh, to me, I'm going to know you're a fake fan. <laughs> or Macho Man Randy Savage. Either way, great stuff. What do you think, Justin? Week one. Just finished week one. How does it feel? Feels like the beginning of uh, of an epic ending is it fair to say that this will be the best one in my heart yes david lynch you were going to say yeah david lynch sorry he has a great quote about um essentially saying that he didn't want to get better because he said he was so depressed some days that he couldn't get out of his house couldn't get out of his bed and someone asked him you know would you like to be cured of this essentially you know could you if you could get better from this would you do it and he said no and the fact was, he said, if I get if I get better, then there's the potential that I would become less creative. And so it wouldn't. Yeah. And like, on one side, he's one of the successful people. So I have less sympathy yeah. for the man who's doing well. And like, as yeah. general advice, I think it's really fucking bad. Because like, you know, <laughs> again, it's like, 
someone who's won the lottery and they're just coming out and going like, man, I don't know why it is. Just pick all ones. One, two, three, four, five, six. Those numbers come up. <laughs> you know, like, it's just terrible advice for the general majority yeah. of people. But for the kind yeah. of, like, the auteurs in the industry, if there even is such a... Even if movies can genuinely be attributed to one person, for some of those people, they just adhere to that mentality of depression more than anyone. Like, you never... You don't really hear about many directors who are like, oh, man... He's so sad. The movie's ruined. Fuck this guy. I just need yeah, to be yeah. healthy and a, a good, healthy, yeah. mentally health boy. Yeah, but at the same time, like, there is obviously directors <laughs> you know. that are like, they're obviously just like, hey, uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, love your Joker. Mm. If you could, if, just stop, stop being weird. I'd say, yeah, actually, yeah, anyone yeah. who does the Joker, you know, the directors, like, I'd love for David Ayer to be mm. like, hey, Jared, love your take. Stop <laughs> sending dead people, dead people weird like dead yeah. animals and condoms. Just please. Yeah. Just uh, listen. I love the idea. Damaged on the head. Brilliant. That that is inspired. <laughs> we get it. Yeah, I got it. You know, you're broken. That works. It works. And you know, yeah. we all talked about it before, and there was a couple of sniggers. But now that you're out here, <laughs> yeah. all gone, all gone. Um. Yeah. So but... I can I do one more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Jared Leto, it's me, the director of Dr. Mickey Morbius, the Dracula Man. Love what you're going with, where you're a man no who comments. has serial series. No comments? <laughs> Perfect. We will wheel Keep you around going. as if you need a wheelchair, because no comments. Jim, Jim, I know what you're saying. You're depressed and you hate it. Jim? You're doing perfect. Keep going. This <laughs> Keep Morbius going. movie is going to be... I mean, it, you know, it is kind of funny that, like, if you imagine actors who come out with these statements and they're like, oh, I was just so broken and, and it just didn't work. And then yeah. you imagine them in bad movies, like Daniel Day-Lewis saying, like, oh, I just... Listen, I I committed to, you know, the character. I was I was trying to walk around with the, the gait of the character and trying to really live the character. And I'm really excited for everyone to come see my movie, The Pacifier, <laughs> in theaters this you know it's like yeah it, like all these statements you only ever it's survivorship bias you only hear the ones that are good yeah. apart from yeah. anything jared leto does which is just inherently <laughs> hilarious you know um but yeah I, I i think that like there is an anyway for this movie which centers so much around kind of oh, mental yes, turmoil yeah, yeah, yeah. it it probably does kind like there probably is an element of like take what you know that yeah. this movie does really well. And I don't know about the other characters. Like, Elijah Wood seems to be always playing a little creepy child in all the movies that he's in. And I don't know if he's taken yeah. from like, what he knows. Like Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings 2, Lord of the Rings, uh, Lord of the Come Rings see 3. Daddy. Um, <laughs> <Come see Daddy. laughs> Lord of the Rings 3. Um, um, but he is, he's Lord a creepy little boy. Yeah, he is a creepy you, like, dude. He's got some this. very creepy little boy movies. Um, yeah. Um, but no, like, no, but, like, and just to go back to it, like, I, I will talk about Jim Carrey fucking all day if people would let me but really? they won't um, but it's great like I can understand why the director kind of was like that because you're so he's probably so used to seeing Jim Carrey on which is just like mm. in movies he is like he has never like w- when he has to be like ridiculous yeah. and zany he's like that and so for him to see Jim Carrey probably at one of his lowest moments not probably not lowest but like definitely like a low moment in his life mm. God knows that man has had low moments and I will... Oh, the, the shit, like, he was homeless. Like, this man, this man has been through so much. But 
to see him like that, you're like, oh, I need you like this. This is exactly how I need you for a movie. And not even kind of maybe trusting Jim Carrey to know how to act that. He's just like, oh, this, keep this. Um, but he's a weird yeah. French director. French directors are weird. And I hit there, I said it, and I will not take it back. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's a huge call. Like, I, I don't know if he did many movies before this that were Truman Show, but I'm not even sure how early on before this it was. Um, let me just look it up now. Truman Show, 1980, yeah. Truman Show was five years before. And that, like, that wasn't six really years. sad. That was like a hopeful kind of like... No, but uh, it, was, it was intense anyway. Yeah. Kind of showed off dramatic. his acting chops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, I suppose, put him on the map for potentially more serious roles after, yeah. of course, his early work in uh, a certain Mike yeah. Hammer movie, <laughs> uh, Murder Takes All. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it, like, it, it just, it, it's a huge call. It worked really well. Yeah. I think the cast... Like, I don't think anyone in this cast does a bad job. Um, no, it's a great cast. It just works very it's well. Got, yeah. um, like, Kate Winslet, nominated for an Oscar for this performance, by the way. Like, she was up against Hilary Swank for A Million Dollar Baby, who I think probably should have got it. But Kate Winslet mm. was excellent in this movie. Um, you know, also you had Elijah Wood. We have Mark Ruffalo, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Joe Wilkinson, I think his name is as well. All top-notch performance. Like, I think there's a few of those are Oscar winners, at least. Um... But I, I'm going to talk about Jim Carrey ever so slightly because uh, I'm going to be bringing it back where uh, Jim Carrey notoriously has been snubbed for the... Sorry, snubbed just the... very quickly. Sorry, okay. very, very quickly. You said Joe Wilkinson, which is the comedian, I'm pretty sure. No, jo- uh, Joe from... Wilkinson? Joe, yeah, what's his name? I'm Joe... pretty sure that's the comedian from, uh, what you call it, um, at 8 out of 10 cast does Countdown. Which is a hilarious substitution, but it's a man called Tom Wilkinson. Oh, it is! I'm so sorry. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Joe Wilkinson. Oh, being I think of Tom. Would be of Tom fucking Wilkinson. brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Tom Wilkinson. Um, but the, yes, my big point, and this is my uh, Gary's grief. Uh, this is a Gary grievance. Which is Jim Carrey has won two Golden Globes and has never been nominated for an Oscar. The Oscars, the Academy has something against Jim Carrey and it angers me to this day in that he has done work like The Truman Show, he has done work like Man on the Moon and he has done this movie to which he has received no Academy Award acclaim which I think is goddamn horrific and I think it's the reason why he was like you know what fuck you I'll do whatever I want I'll do Mr. Popper's Penguins because you're not going to like me anyway and it's such a shame because I think really he could have gone on and been such an incredible actor and like he he talks about it now these days where he goes this it meant nothing to me looking back at like what 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 an academy what's an academy award versus like my happiness but i just think he's such an incredible actor and i i've talked about it before in the podcast and i really want people to watch it if they get a chance it's a tv show called kidding and i think it is some of his best best work he is so good on it it's so nuanced and i think we would have got a Jim Carrey that was so much more like that had he received, you know, some acclaim or acceptance from the Hollywood elite or whatever the fuck. Mm. Um, but look, don't get me wrong, we got some great movies from him after that. Looking at the list, not a lot, uh, because he went on to do weird shit <laughs> like, oh, like he, he did like Dick and Jane, the number 23, Horton Hears a Who, he did Yes Man, I Love You, Philip Morris, like, all that sort of stuff. But I think we would have got more like stuff along the calibre of, of these types of movies because obviously when you're an agent trying to sign talent, you know, you're obviously trying to sign talent who look like they're going to win Oscars so that the studio get more acclaim. And Jim Carrey yeah. was just the point where he wasn't getting awards, so therefore why would you cast him? Um, yeah. So I just think it's a fucking shame. Anyway, that's the end of my Gary grievance. I think it's, yeah, no, I think it's fair because when you look through what he did, like, after 
sort of 2004, which is kind of, I mean, his last great movie is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, I'm trying to see... Oh, choose your mind carefully, John. It's almost as if you haven't seen... Sorry, Kick-Ass 2, seen, I'm uh, sorry. Ah, Dumb and, oh no, Dumb and Dumb and 2 is not great. Um, no, Kidding, I think <laughs> is his best. Uh, kidding, I think is his best work yeah. since, since this That's a bike. TV show, isn't uh, it? Absolute long shot. Yeah, but still, it's worth it. Um, like, and also, yeah, just speaking of great... Movie. Speaking of great TV work after this, uh, Kate Winslet's in Mayor of Easttown, which is absolutely incredible for anyone who gets a chance. Basically, get Now TV or HBO Max or wherever country you're listening to this in, which is probably Ireland, and go watch Kidding and Mayor of Easttown because they're both great shows both of these two people. Anyway, I'm getting so off track. Um, I knew I would get I knew I would get angry about Jim Carrey at the Oscars. I didn't think it would be this much. Um, but it is. I mean, it really is interesting that like he essentially had a 10 year run of movies where he did mm-hmm. The Mask in 1994 and he did Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind in 2004 mm-hmm. and kind of nothing else notable like in terms of before and after those points yeah. there's not too much like he kind of I mean I'm not trying to say that he he, he did poorly as an actor he's incredibly successful no, but, I, but you have to think of it this way like he's made a shit ton of cash like he can do whatever he wants and if you kind yeah. of look at the movies he did it was kind of like a but yeah sure I'll get do a, that why not he can't get nominated for an Academy Award but anything else yeah, and do. like you get to a point where you're just like, he's being typecast as yeah, you know yeah. Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and it's like you can kind of see why he wants to do stuff like I don't know. Yes, man, I I see that as a you know a cash grab in the way that Bruce Almighty kind of was, which I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Jim, I'm not going to speak for Jim Carrey, but like, um, if I was, I'd get a cameo of him telling me <laughs> I could speak for him. But no, and I think he's done some he's done some weird stuff. He's done stuff like True Crimes and The Bad Batch which I haven't actually watched, but I've heard have been, you know, they're received poorly. So, look, mm. he can do what he wants. He's doing the Sonic stuff at the moment, which I fucking love. And he's come out and said, like, look, I'll probably retire because I'm happy I have enough. And look, once mm. he's happy, I don't care. He's a man who's dealt with a lot in his life and a bit of yeah. dickhead at times yeah. and whatever. But look, when you get that but level it's of fame... Like, it's certainly an interesting kind of, like, what if, if he got an Academy Award, would he chase more serious roles? I mean... What after Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I don't think he, I don't think necessarily he would chase more serious roles. I think he would just be considered. Well, that's for sorry, more that's often. what I mean. I mean, you know, in terms of like this, put him on the map, but this wasn't kind of yeah. a massive blockbuster movie. Um, no, I think that there's just there's some elements of his following movies that are good, but kind of the next big one is uh, is either a series of unfortunate events or Yes Man, and those are I mean, Yes well, Man think, was four years after. It's well, just too well, long yes for an actor to go dormant. His... I think Yes Man was, I think, if I recall, his most successful box office movie. Maybe outside of Sonic. Oh, really? Or, like, for a couple of years, it definitely was. Outside of Sonic? What? Quality. No, I just... Is that is that his actual most uh, uh, successful movie? Let me check the Mind Palace, John. <laughs> Sorry, I thought oh, that was either it's in, a fact or it's, totally wrong. It's it's in the Mind Palace here somewhere, too. That bleeding looks for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it over there? No, I took a I took a wrong turn in the mind palace, so I did. <laughs> I think I did, yeah. Nope, sorry, I was wrong. Checked the wrong corner of the mind palace. It is Bruce Almighty. <laughs> I, I thought I think Yes Man is his biggest opening. I feel because I'm definitely okay, not making yeah, that, that up. There's that's... something about Yes Man. I think that's his biggest opening. <laughs> that's something. Let me I'm check this corner of the I mind palace. Check. Sonic the Hedgehog is pretty high up there, though. Sonic the Hedgehog two, two hundred eighty-eight, his ninth most. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog one, three hundred twenty-ish. His sixth most. Not too bad. The mass. I know this, is now, but this has now become a career retrospective on Jim Carrey <laughs> yeah. at the end. It's great. I love it. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, I, 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 anything else about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind that we haven't kind of covered off? That I, I guess won't actually say, as I answer my own question, which I fucking love to do. Um, the score, really interesting, really cool. Looked up the guy who did it, and it actually spurred me to watch the movie I watched directly after uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is a movie that John had watched, which was Punch Drunk, Drunk Love which has a fantastic soundtrack. So when I realised it was the same person, I was like, oh, I'll go watch that. But it's the same guy who did uh, Magnolia, Step Brothers, The Other Guys, and most famously, <laughs> and people would know, John Mulaney, The Comeback Kid. So this guy knows how to score anything. Um, <laughs> Something vaguely fun. I got it. <laughs> yeah, fun times. Get this guy. John Bryan is his name. Um, <laughs> sorry, I answered my own question. Uh, John, I will actually ask you properly anything to add. any any other bits about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind that we haven't covered off. Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's one of those movies that yeah, it gets better as you get older. Like I think that the more experience that you have with life in general, you take more from it. So I think that like I watched this ages ago, and I'm not sure if I enjoyed it quite as much as I did this time. Um, I found it was way more impactful because before it was kind of like an interesting view but you know 2004 yeah. i was what 10 you know like i probably watched it when Did i was you 15 watch it then? yeah I was I was not, but like what, i probably watched year? it when i was like 15 or so and like at that point it's i like the, like i like the oh, idea of us ten, both being 10 you know in the same cinema and you you're going to book your cinema ticket for eternal sunshine the spotless mind and i'm like i'm off to watch jim gary as count olaf and stefano <laughs> <laughs> taking a, a left or a right and it's yeah. kind of like the how our paths how our lives changed mm. because of that choice yeah um but yeah no i think it's one of those movies that it's one of the greats because as you get older there's more take from it and yeah. you kind of understand where people are coming from a little bit better and i think yeah. that's I think nowadays that's kind of my mark of what a good movie is. Maybe it'll change. Maybe I'll go back to 10-year-old John and I'll just like loud explosions and cool action men. But uh, for now, that, oh, that emotional now. kind of drive. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. Hook it to my veins. Oh. Um, well, John, I think that's Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind. And the end of the unnecessary involuntary legendary visionary Jim Carrey library commentary to Gary in a very wary on a very adversary for my anniversary um, that might have been right who knows um, so John <laughs> just speed it up every time just throughout yeah. each one of these that you're doing which oh, you can't John, do you say you that as, yeah. Them, but yeah. yeah exactly just go back in time just go back in time and do it again. Re-release. Oh, no one's going to notice. Maybe I'll erase my memory of me releasing them <laughs> and I'll re-record and release them all. But I'll I suppose, yeah, like, the the only thing is that, like, <laughs> there would certainly be, like, some amount of, like, horrible trauma of being like, oh, I've lost, like, a year of my life. Yeah, what the fuck like, happened? Like, Yeah, like, there's, there's some bad shit in this movie where it's, like, his car gets damaged and he doesn't know why. Yeah. It's like, why is my car damaged? But he doesn't yeah, because he's yeah, yeah. forgotten that like because she, the, the, she did it so there's like weird shit like there's obviously loopholes and like you know plot, plot holes sorry in, in in this stuff that like you don't want to look too far into um, exactly but, like, but it's again, why like, I think I, this one movie of the is I trash had to, had to use because it doesn't like, have you... what Christopher Nolan does which is it establishes <laughs> something and then details what it does and how it works totally so that there's no possible way you could to- any in any way interpret it any other way. And that's why Christopher Nolan is the greatest director <laughs> of all time. I don't care about this man that you were talking about early, Charlie Kaufman. I spit on him. Yeah. I spit on his movies. I don't give a shit about John Malkovich or Synecdoche, New York. They're all trash. <laughs> I want details, Gary. I want details. It's funny you mention it because this... 
it's funny what when this movie was being uh, written uh one of the uh, charlie kaufman saw memento come out and he was like well there goes my movie and the <laughs> producer was like no you wrote this you're, pu- you're, you're putting it out and forced them to release it um so <laughs> it is funny you mentioned chris now you just imagine but- then one of the other movies that charlie kaufman has been like fuck another jim carrey where he was like ah oh, jim i got this movie it's like you and another person and it's a relationship movie but you're going in opposite directions both figuratively and literally and it's like uh tough break there charlie uh there's a movie on the market okay. it's the greatest movie of all How time about it's tenant it explains it's... everything gary it's got all the explanations you could ever How about want this? It, it's, it's hard to understand but it's great it's 2010. What if you could go into the dreams of your girlfriend? <laughs> but there's dreams within a dream. You've oh, got Charlie, to go deeper I'm, to oh, understand. Charlie, I'm so sorry. I think that's been done. <laughs> it's like, Nolan! <laughs> All right, Jim. I've got an idea. You're Catman. You like to fight crime <laughs> because you're trying to win back your girlfriend. It's but your girlfriend. Also... She needs you. <laughs> But also, you're very low down, so it's all about you rising up, okay? And then I'm going <laughs> to yeah. put a weird British man in a mask and you can't understand him. <laughs> and he's going to blow up a soccer field. Somebody is there. Oh, like... Charlie, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Charlie, have you been stealing and reading certain scripts from other directors? No, no, that's not what I've done at all. Then you find that Christopher Nolan has an entire Being John Malkovich script that was stolen from him. And instead of, like explaining more about the movie it has just such detailed explanations about how a half floor can exist the building structural foundations and what would be needed to incorporate that into every single building in new york christopher nolan what a man i'm telling you one of the great i, I tell you we don't be worried about fucking godzilla versus kong the biggest fight of our century is charity kaufman versus chris nolan i'll tell you that much <laughs> Right, John, Mr. John Hackett again, thank you so much for coming on. I very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's been absolutely class. And again, it'd be great to have you back for Catwoman, so waiting for that. Um, anyone who's listened to this and any of the other podcasts, thank you so- John's crying. Uh, thank you very much. Oh, looks like John has stepped inside one of those brain-erasing uh, machines. <laughs> he ever knew me. Um, but, but yeah, I want to thank anyone who's listened to this or any of the other ones. Um, you can follow at Reading of the Peers on Instagram. You can follow on Spotify, Apple podcast wherever you listen to podcasts if you can give five stars on spotify that'd be great i don't know what it does but just give it to me i want it also please get some get a letterbox follow us on letterbox i'd love to know what you think about movies and i think that's it that is the end of our jim carrey month so i very much hope you enjoyed i know i did um so thank you again